You're listening to the PKJ and Yahweh podcast, where I take the supernatural world around us, connect it to complicated biblical theology, and then try and make it simple for everyone to gain revelation. If you're new to this podcast and would like more information, please go follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. And now time for another episode from our apologetic series. All right. Hey, welcome back. And uh, I'm looking forward to another session on the apologetics focus here and uh, really helping equip you with just a worldview to respond to some of these tougher uh, questions that that we get or that could come up at some point in our walk with God, uh, in our faith, uh, with others. And, And really today, I just wanted to go over this picture of what does it mean that God is triune? And why is this important? Uh, and, and help you understand that this perspective of God being one God, though three persons, uh, one entity, one God, Jesus is God, and the Holy Spirit is God, and God the Father is God. And that's not three gods. It's not some sort of like Eastern mysticism, uh, you know, com- uh, com- uh, parallel, uh, for lack of a better word. I had another cool word that I wanted to use, but I must not have been in my word of the day calendar. Anyway, uh, (laughs) with that, um, that they're not three gods. It it is one God. It's, it's not like one's the brain, one's the skin, one's the, one's the heart either. Like, like, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. So bear with me and we're going to jump into this, but I, I want you to realize that, did you know that the Trinity actually doesn't exist in the Bible? I had a fantastic conversation with a friend of mine, Joshua Feirstein, so I hope that doesn't suddenly instantly blacklist me now that I said it on my podcast, but we were at, um, uh, what is it, at this amazing, amazing barbecue place in uh, Jalapeno Bucks, that's what it was, Jalapeno Bucks over in Arizona, it's in the middle of an orange grove, free shout out to them. I'm going to let them know I sponsored them here, like, freebie. Like, if you're in the Arizona area, like, literally, you live in Arizona, like, drive to Jalapeno Bucks today and get some brisket. I, myself, I'm a vegan, like, like, but I wasn't then. Amen? Can I get an amen? So, <laughs> we were enjoying some amazing uh, brisket and ribs. Like, I mean, you, you just, like, you twist the bone and the rib comes out of the bone. It was beautiful. And if you're a vegan listening to me, get over it. I, I love you anyways, and, and I am too. So, uh, but with that, we see, uh, I was talking with him and he's like, all right, so, uh, Trinity, it's not in the Bible. I was like, yeah, it is hundred percent. It is man. Like you, you don't believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. And he's like, he's like, well, it's not in the Bible. And now he, he's, he's a great guy. He's, he, uh, as you know, he used to, if you know who he is, um, he, he can be very argumentative in a good way, right? Like he's a great debater. I have I, my, my children. In fact, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you may be a debater yourself, you know, in speech and debate uh, with STOA. So shout out to my STOA peeps, S-T-O-A, you know, represent. I can get a high five. But with that, I'm talking with him and he just likes debate for the debate. And I was actually out there for a speech and debate tournament. And I was there with a friend of mine, a student as well, uh, Judah, and we were having a good chat. And I was like, hey, Judah, why don't you, why don't you take this one since, you know, this is a question in your speech and debate topics for, for STOA. And so he starts debating a little bit about how, 
explaining what the Trinity is and and what and what its function is. But ultimately, he's like, yeah, but it's not in the Bible. So to to you know baptize people in the name of the Trinity, you know, like is that right? That to, to say it as the Trinity? I'm like, so are you saying you don't believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost? He said, I didn't say that. He said, I just don't believe uh, in this this title that you give it of the Trinity. I was like, okay. I, I can respect that. And we kind of wrestled with it because sometimes it's just new stuff that we, we, especially people who grow up in the church, we just take this stuff for granted. We just be like, yeah, that I've always knew that. I've always understood that. That's how it was explained to me. And, but we never actually go deeper and we just adapt Christianese because it's part of our worldview. But Trinity doesn't exist in the Bible. What, what if someone else told you that in opposition to your faith, you know, would it matter? Would you be shaken by it? Would you care? someone's saying well you believe in the trinity like this three god thing and it doesn't even exist in your bible what if i told you i agree with that person you're right it doesn't exist in the bible in fact it's really hard for us to search down and dial in the trinity in the bible because one there's no word for it that that word was coined by an individual called uh, uh, his name was tertullian and we'll, we'll come to him a little bit later um but this is the reality is that that the trinity is is a little bit deeper than what we've just taken it granted for at least i'd agree to the fact that the word trinity is not biblical a biblical description or a word for god the father god the son the holy spirit so now what is your faith all a lie you've been believing uh, uh, everything all wrong or maybe you're on the other side of the coin of of um theology and you're like that's right yeah there is no trinity like boom like okay well all right you know settle down you know but do you do you actually believe what do you actually know what you believe and, and if the trinity doesn't exist what else am i believing that doesn't exist does it matter does it affect my salvation whether i understand the doctrine of the trinity or not all these kind of questions probably rush into your brain and your head and overwhelm you with such an insignificant spark of doubt that it becomes a wildfire unless you have the shield of faith, y'all, to extinguish these fiery arrows of accusations of the wicked one, Ephesians 6.16. You know, fiery, really, that word burn, it's actually it's actually a word similar and used as well as to burn with lust or passion, ablaze with anger, oof. That's what these fiery darts of accusations are. So when people like shoot off these little, you know, these tiny little darts, it makes me think of, you know, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, you know, when nature into the nature, whatever that one was. And, uh, and you get shot with the little, those tiny little darts start making his arms go numb. Like it's a tiny little dart, but man, it's going to burn. It's no good. It's going to get starting to get sleepy whatever it is he says i don't know um I, I, I used to imitate one day side note story i showed up to my sister's school uh she went to a private school um that i later went to for like half a year again i've, I've been to a handful of schools um graduated from almost none of them i graduated from homeschool but i showed up uh dressed up completely like ace ventura pet detective walk the walk embarrassed myself i was that kid oh my gosh i'm having flashbacks right now and i'm thinking of my children and like just saying lord help me to have compassion on my kids i love them so much but man when they do something weird like that like just remind yourself can someone just remind me that i walked and picked up my sister in her private school being uh from dropping off with my parents my parents endorsed it <laughs> dressed up like ace ventura 
my parents even bought the clothes from Value Village for me. I was like, this would be the great outfit. It wasn't for Halloween or anything. I just wanted to wear it because I thought it was funny and cool. Hair done all right, doing that weird walk, talking like it, and pick up my sister. And I don't think it was all just to embarrass my sister. I actually think I thought I was cool. So, wow, that was that was a freebie. Uh, that is going to be a, on the highlights reel. Amen. But the reality is uh, that whole, those fiery darts in his arm, you know, and his arms got numb, and I used to do that dumb stuff too. But that's what these, these questions that rush into our brain uh, they, they just rush to us and they take over us and they overwhelm us with fear and doubt. And, and that's what we need the shield of faith for, to, is to extinguish these fiery darts that burn with anger with, with, with a, and burn with a lust, like a passionate desire to extinguish your fire, to extinguish you and your zeal for the word of God. So we got to protect ourselves, you guys. These darts are accusations, attacks that burn with a strong passion or feeling. So three main objectives here we're going to skip through and 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 jump into is is really what does it mean that god is triune the trinity defining the origin of the non-biblical noun trinity and the uh, biblical godhead okay identifying the old and new testament evidence that supports the necessity of a triune godhead uh, and exposing counterfeit trinitarian religions Ooh, fancy fun stuff for me and what is the importance or significance of comprehending trinitarian theology uh how does comprehending the reality of the trinity help you today and really that's that's kind of the main point i want to try and take at the end there is equipping us all to see why do i need to know the answer to these questions you know because knowledge uh knowledge builds up you know puffs up but the spirit builds up and so we want to make sure that as you're learning like there's a purpose how is it applied today talking to you about how to brush your teeth don't do no good until you start doing it every day so how can we apply the truth of the trinitarian doctrine and theology to your life today for your benefit for your good so what does it mean that god is triune well trinity is actually a latin uh, a Latin theologian uh, by the name of Tertullian in second in the second century, uh, it's itself comes from the that Latin term, uh, and, and Tertullian coined that phrase from the Latin term Trinitas, which is connected to three uh, trace uh, with one unus, uh, so trace unus. Um, now, why do we not say trace unus? I don't know, because it might sound like twenty one. You know, <laughs> what's five plus ten? Twenty one. But anyway. Um, I don't remember if that was the right one. Anyway, that was that was a freebie. But God is a unity of substance with a plurality of persons. Ooh, if you're a note taker, you probably should pause right there and write that down, because this term Trinity uh, being of three with uh, with one, it, it, it describes that God is a unity of substance with a plurality of persons. Man, that is just that is a little beyond where we where we're going. But with that. We see three entities, but one deity. Not three gods, but three persons, one God. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. I think it's really important when we say the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that we make sure to say the Son, Jesus, okay, the Christ, like it's very important to baptize in the name of Jesus. So, um, and, and the Holy Spirit, 
baptism in its simplest form is an expression of commitment to God. Now, that's not its fullest form, but in its simplest form, it, it is really an appeal to heaven for a good conscience. First Peter 3. Uh, some other good nuggets in there about, you know, God, dis Jesus descending and ministering to the spirits in prison from one Enoch, you know, the fallen watchers and the sin of the angels. And uh, anyway, well, that's a fun one. If you like some of that fringy stuff, you're going to like my, I think I'm trying to release them on Tuesdays, my Tuesday fringe cast. Uh, that'll take some more of that side uh, bar um, topics. But with that said, be sure to check that out too. Um, but we see in Exodus 20 and 3, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How then could Christ, who came for us to have access to the Father via remission of sins through his sacrifice and resurrection, command his disciples and us as believers in Yahweh to be baptized in any other name than the Tetragrammatron, yeah, the four-letter word Yahweh, especially if Yahweh is to have no other gods before him. So how could we be baptized in the name of Jesus if we're not supposed to have any other gods before Yahweh, if Jesus isn't Yahweh? But Yahweh also isn't Jesus. The, the three, okay, we're, we're going to keep going here. Hold on. Philippians 2, 8 through 10. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, the most high, and gave him the name above all names. That is the name of Jesus, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. God elevates Christ's name above all names and it's the name of Jesus that should be worshipped this is not a cosmic retirement party for Yahweh who passes the family business to his son <laughs> like, like but it is it is Jesus God has elevated the name of Jesus the only begotten son or the unique son there are sons of God. Psalms 82, you can see the divine council worldview, uh, Deuteronomy 32, and, and uh, you can see also, you know, other texts of that there are, there are sons of God, lesser gods, lower G, but the unique son, Jesus, there's no one like Jesus. He, he is the only and the unique son, the only begotten son of God. And now he elevates his name above all names. Old and, New Old and New Testament data says Christ is Yahweh, okay? John 10, 30, I and the Father are one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all are eternal, neither precede each other, nor did one create the other. They are one, okay? Consequently, the doctrine of the Trinity is not found in any, any single verse of Scripture alone, but rather it's in the whole testimony of, of scripture the the grand mosaic of scripture as seen particularly in the narrative of salvation god's interaction with humanity you see non-biblical trinitarian beliefs what are some of those like other other cultures that have a triune god because you know what our perspective of having a a god with a plurality of substances um or person uh, uh you know personages sorry I want to say that one again because I don't want to mess you up. It's a uh, plurality of uh, 
a plurality of persons and a unity of substance. That's not entirely unique uh, to Christianity itself. The doctrine of the Trinity does not rest on any ancient belief systems, however, such as the ancient Egyptian belief in three gods, each existing independently. That, that is uh, Osiris, Isis, and Horus, or in the Hindu belief of Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu. In the fact, the doctrine of the Trinity in the Christian understanding is a defense of monotheism against atheism, bitheism, tritheism, and polytheism, or any other, uh, any form of idolatry. In Arabic, shirk, not to mention agnosticism. Okay? It is also important to understand that the Trinity is not the explanation of a mystery. It is the articulation of a mystery. Wow. That one is going to... i got to say that one more time, because if you weren't listening, I, I left a moment of silence, so the lull of my voice paused. Hear this again. It is important to understand that the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity, is not the explanation of a mystery. It is the articulation of a mystery. Some mysteries of God will never be understood. Old and New Testament depictions, we see uh, Psalms 110 says, The Lord said to my Lord. Huh. What? That's weird. He said to himself. Okay. Uh, the Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies, until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord, the Tetragrammatron, Y H W H, Yahweh. Okay. Right to left. Yod, he, wa, he, okay? My Lord, Yahweh, Adonai. That's two different versions of Yahweh right there that we see in Psalms 110. Then the Lord, Tetragrammatron, Yahweh, okay, said to my Lord, Yahweh, Adonai. That's a word for Jesus. Foretelling of Christ to come. Okay, so, so where's the Holy Spirit then in Yahweh? We've got Jesus right there. Pretty cool. Ruah. Everyone with me say, Ruah, Ruah. It's an old, I don't know, it's a cool song. I, I got to look it up. But uh, it's it, that, that word is, it, it, it's pneuma, spirit, the third person of the, uh, of, of the Trinity. Psalms 51, 11. Remember this Old Testament proof of the Trinity. Psalm 51, 11 shows us the Holy Spirit. I'm going to turn there right now with you so you guys can read along with me because apparently I don't put all my Bible verses into my notes. And so sometimes, no thanks, Bible app. I do not want to leave, read, leave a review. You're holding me up here. Isn't that annoying? Trying to do something fast. So many times I've used the Bible app on my phone when I'm preaching and I'll go to like pull up a verse and it's like, do you like the Bible app? And I'm, I push the no button, not because I don't like it, but because I'm just trying to quickly get to the next thing and not have to fill out a review. And they're like, oh, well, if you don't like us, please tell us why. I'm like, this is why I don't like you, Bible app, okay? Because while I'm preaching, I don't need to be told, please leave a review right now. Like it's really obnoxious. Also, I should just be better prepared. Um, life story. Okay, Psalms 51, 11 simply says this, um, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
that's a great song cast me not away I'll, I'll you can forgive me for singing a hymn in your ears i am not a singer um cash me not outside oh lord uh how about that but isaiah 63 10 is also showing us of this holy spirit this important holy spirit in our uh in in the trinity so isaiah 63 10 goes on to say Again, this is another verse that's not in my notes, so I'm just going to pull it up. Thank you for your patience. Isaiah, Isaiah 63, such a good, such a good book of the Bible. I just love just everything basically from like chapter 40-ish up. It's just, it's fire for me. The other stuff's good too. Isaiah 63.10 says, and this is in the ESV, um, <clears throat> but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. Therefore, he turned to be their enemy and and himself fought against them speaking about god holy spirit whoa crazy so first samuel 2 2 it says there is none holy like god is holy god is holy okay that's quoting literally leviticus 19 2 and it says and the lord spoke to moses saying speak to all the congregation of the children of israel and say to them you shall be holy for i the lord your god am holy first peter 1 16 says you shall be holy for i am holy you can be holy but only god is holy Ooh put that one back there hope i didn't pop your eardrums right there i apologize sometimes i clap you know worshiping i love just red hand worship as i call it i'm waiting for someone to start a band label music artist something just called red hand worship that's all songs that like clapping is the goal okay uh i'm tired of some of this you know psalms 86 worship where it's just like lamenting their existence uh anyhow but with that uh you shall be holy for i am holy you can only be holy but god is holiness god is holy holiness belongs to god and he bestows it upon his creation the ground you're standing upon is holy ground why is it holy because god made it holy our lives are to reflect god's holiness leviticus 19:2 is our highest calling okay his personality is proved from the fact that the attributes of personality as intelligence and volition are ascribed to him he executes the offices uh, peculiar uh, he executes the offices peculiar peculiar man how do i say that word peculiar yes praise god i'm gonna take some speech lessons here peculiar only to a person the very nature of these offices involve personal distinction his divinity is established from the fact that the names of god are ascribed to him in exodus 17 7 and psalms 95 7 if you want a full show notes i'll leave a link to to these notes later uh, on pkjandyahweh.wordpress uh, I'll, I'll make sure that gets out to you at some point or you can email me for them but we see um we have uh omniscience omnipresence eternity omnipotence they're all ascribed to the spirit of god that these are these are only attributes ascribed to yahweh uh and and they're not to other deities or other forms and so it, it is uniquely ascribed to god and creation itself is ascribed to him genesis 1 2 job 26 13 psalms 104 30 and the working of miracles worship is required and ascribed to him 
the Holy Spirit. So there it is. Uh, and I'll give you those Bible verses at another time. Uh, if you want one, Isaiah 6, 3, Lord of hosts. Ooh, heavenly hosts. Yeah, that's some good stuff. So what's the importance of comprehending Trinitarian theology today? Why, why, why do I need to know this? Guess what? You're not damned if you don't grasp it. There's a lot of theology that you can get wrong, yet still believe that there is no other means of salvation but through Christ, and in which you obtain salvation and repentance of sin. There's a lot of theology that I got wrong. I still get wrong. And, and some of the best preachers in the world right now probably got some theology wrong. Guess what? It doesn't mean that they are totally wrong and now no one should ever listen to them again. It'd be like you saying one lie and now nobody can ever trust you again. Like, and you lied unknowingly. It's like, no, I don't remember doing that. Like, do you see what I'm saying? But Trinity is holiness. And Trinity and holiness are synonymous. You see, in the course of Bible study for college students in, in Delhi, there's a story, a Hindu girl, uh, um, I believe this was from the book, uh, gosh, I'll have to remember what book this was from because uh, I want to give honor where honor is due. But I will come back to that. But this is a story that he shared. Maybe I wrote it down further in my notes. My bad. Sorry for not sourcing my work well. I'm not. <laughs> pray for me if I ever try to actually become a theologian. Gosh. In the course of Bible study for, col uh, for college students in Delhi, a Hindu girl asked me what I consider to be a brilliant question. How can you say Christians, how can you Christians say God is good? Good is the opposite of evil. Evil is not eternal. Therefore, good cannot be eternal as well. Without going into her definition of evil as the opposite of good, it should be conceded that the question is a legitimate one. The Christian insists that God exists without reference to evil and rejects the dualism of posting good and evil as equal and opposite. But how can the Christian sustain the position philosophically and, and existentially? If I were awakened suddenly in the middle of the night and asked this question, what is holiness? My instinctive answer would be absence of sin. Although that may be enough of an answer for our understanding of holiness because of our fallenness and familiarity with sin, it would be inadequate as a definition of holiness of God. He is holy without any reference to sin, period. How do we define that kind of holiness? We cannot define good with a reference to evil because good is the original of which evil is the counterfeit, a problem parallel to defining the infinite terms up with, with the finite. Evil is an arbitration. We need to look for a positive definition of good without reference to evil. Very significantly, the answer lies in the Trinitarian being of God. Love is the epitome of all virtue and the highest expression of holiness. And God should not have to depend upon his creation to actualize his capacity to love, for that would make his creation as important as the creator, because the creator would be incomplete without his creation. But the Bible introduces love as an interpersonal quality requiring a subject-object relationship that is available in the Trinity because of the Father-Son relationship through the Holy Spirit. 
the Trinitarian God is complete in his love relationship without reference to his creation. The Father loves the Son before the creation of the world, John 17, 24. The infinite personal medium through whom his love is communicated is the Holy Spirit, and he is the one who pours the love of God in our hearts as well, Romans 5, 5. The final answer that I could give to this college girl was to appeal to the Trinity, where good always existed without any reference to reference to outside of and before evil for god be for god to be loving he must not be alone as love is expressed to another to another love needs an object you see first john 4 8 god is love so forever aloneness cannot produce love how could god exist in forever by himself just loving himself that's weird Okay, that's not what it is. God was able to have an object of his love that was not only himself. Okay, but it was still him. John 17, 24 says, God loved Jesus since before the creation of the world. And the medium of his love is the Holy Spirit through whom he poured out God's love to mankind's hearts in Romans 5, 5. So if God is relational, how could he have been uh, if God's relational, how could he have been uh, so e- e- alone for eternity prior to angelic hosts and their creation and subsequently mankind? How could he be relational prior to that? How could he know what relation is unless he has an object to have a relationship with? God forever alone is fine. He was fine before you. He didn't need you. You see, God never had to learn anything. That would attack his omniscience. So in order for God to be many of the attributes that uh, that, that are uh, that that are ne- for God to be many of the attributes that are necessary uh, of the Trinity, the three entities, eternal, eternally perfect, coexisting, compromising of uh, comprising of one God. Why He had to be able to do this by Himself in Himself completely. Why is this important? How is it helping you today? Because of love. Period. Love. This is the purpose of the Trinity. So you can know that you're never left alone. Because God knows how to comfort you. Because he'd never have to learn what it's like to be alone. He already knows, but he's also always been comforted. You never have to worry about not being loved because God has always been loved and he has always been loving. You see, I'll repeat again and emphasize very significantly the answer lies in the Trinitarian being of God. Love is the epitome of all virtue and the highest expression of holiness. And God should not have to depend upon his creation to actualize his capacity to love, for that would make creation as important as the creator, because the creator would be incomplete without his creation. Mankind or angelic. It's important for the Trinitarian reality of God, of the Godhead to exist for our external, uh, for our eternal God whom was before all things and will be after all things to be all things without the need of anything outside of himself lest our omnipotent creator would be subject to his creation 
to the fullness of of who he is striping god of his omnipotence and his power and his attributes we need the truth of the trinity the triune god so we can have confidence in the virtue of god's love for us again remember it is not the exp- the explanation of a mystery but the articulation of a mystery god's love yo it it, it goes it is far it is wide it is deep it is long and is incomprehensible and as soon as we start to think we understand we we don't the word of god says eternal life is this knowing god as we know god as we learn as we grow we can participate with eternal life today and for all eternity so guess what that means we'll never fully know we'll never fully understand there will always be something for us to for god to reveal to us for eternity forever and ever and ever we will always have something that god can and will reveal to us that's exciting for me i hope it's exciting for you so there you go press it down use it take snippets why do we need trinity because of love there it is all right have a great day hope to hope you guys enjoyed it please share this with a friend leave a comment leave a good review that'd be the biggest thing you guys could do uh i just want to support people help people get the right picture of god uh all right have a good one shalom thanks again for listening if you'd like more information about the show kevin's work or you have questions or would like to be a guest on this podcast please reach out to me directly on my instagram at kevin.scott.johnson i look forward to hearing from you god bless